Hello and welcome to The Catch. I'm Matt Hansen, freelance editor with FineBet.com, joined today by writer and contributor for FineBet, Brad Mealy. Good to be here, Matt. We're uh, heading into the final week of the NFL season and playoffs are right around the corner and there's about three or four teams in each uh, division or each, I guess, conference right now that are uh, still up for playoff spots that are up for grabs. So it's going to be an exciting week 17 and we're going to get to dive into that here in a little bit. And we are bringing you the 16th installment of this series where we will discuss everything going on in the world of sports that we can fit into 60 minutes. Throughout this series, we will cover a range of topics, including sports betting and fantasy, along with keeping up with current events, trade rumors, and more. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at finebet underscore news and on Instagram at finebet, just one word. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching FindBet. All of our newest content can be found on findbet.com. This week, you can find NFL DFS start and sit recommendations, along with betting advice for week 17 of the NFL. And keep an eye out for our live streams on our social media accounts. Yeah, absolutely. Ariana and Ashmir Prasad do Sunday Slay, giving you a rundown of what's happening in the NFL. And uh, in the basketball world, Dan Tran, Sandeep Shandok, and Henry Curry are hosts for Three in the Key, uh, where they discuss the current state of affairs of the NBA. But Brad, as you had mentioned, the real news right now is we're going into the final week of the NFL regular season. And um with seven spots still available um, to get into the playoffs, there's going to be a lot of meaningful football being played and, and a lot of really big games that are going to have big implications uh, coming out of week 17. In the AFC, let's start out there. Right now, there are three teams that have sealed their fate and clinched playoff berths, and those being the Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. All of them kind of coming into the playoffs the playoffs in the postseason with a little bit different uh, momentum um, as the Steelers were on a three-game slide before picking up a win last week. Um, the Chiefs have looked dominant all year, and the Bills look to be really tuning it up at the right time, uh, you know, coming into the last week of the season. Josh Allen's playing uh, really good football, uh, which I'm, I'm going to touch on later. But there's four open spots in the AFC. There's a lot that can happen. Brad, can you kind of run us through some of the teams that are on the bubble right now in the AFC and what needs to happen for them to get in? Yeah, so we have basically five teams that are vying for those final four spots, like you had said. Uh, let's start out with the Ravens. They're playing the Bengals this week, and they can clinch a playoff spot with either a Baltimore win, so they're winning their, their in this week, or a Cleveland loss if Cleveland loses their in, or if Indianapolis loses, they're in. So if any one of those three things happen, Baltimore is in for the playoffs. If you move on to the Browns, they're playing the Steelers this week, and the Steelers are planning to rest almost all their starters this week. At least Roethlisberger will not be playing, as Mason Rudolph has already been named the starter yep. um, for the game. Um, they can clinch with a win, and they're in, so which is good. They control their own destiny. Um, if Indianapolis loses – or if Tennessee loses and Miami wins or ties or Baltimore wins or ties, they can get in. So that's a lot more to stomach. But basically, Cleveland, if you win, you're in. You're against the Steelers' backup quarterback. Yep. Should be no excuse to, to win that one. Um, when you look at Indianapolis, they're playing Jacksonville. Com definitely a winnable game for them, even though that they 
they started the year against Jacksonville and lost the first week. Mm-hmm. Um, they can clinch the AFC South division with uh, a win and a Tennessee loss or tie, or if Indianapolis ties and Tennessee loses. Um, they can clinch playoffs, obviously, if Indy wins and Baltimore loses or ties. Indy has to win and Cleveland loses or ties. And Indy has to win the game and Miami has to lose or tie. So those three things, uh, there's a little bit more uh, luck based for Indy to get into the playoffs. They need to win and get some help. Mm-hmm. Um, the, rest, the other two teams, Miami and Tennessee, if they win – they're in basically. So Miami plays Buffalo and Buffalo is rumored to actually be setting, be sitting a lot of their starters this week as well. So this is definitely going to be a chance for Miami to win and get in. If they win, they're in. Um, They need, if, if they lose, they need a Baltimore loss or a Cleveland loss or an Indy loss to get in as well. So um, Miami is in a good spot, even if one of those teams, you know, they just have to have one of those other three teams lose and they'll be in. Um, lastly, Tennessee, they're against Houston this week. Um, they can clinch the AFC South division if they win. Um, if Indy loses or if Tennessee ties in Indianapolis tie, if they, if both those teams tie, Tennessee will win the division on a tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. So with all that, that's a lot to actually stomach. What do you digest. think? Who are the four teams that are going to make it into the AFC playoffs this year? So let's start out with what we know, because that's a lot of information to take in if you're listening. And if you don't have the information right in front of you, you know, I'm sure it's something that kind of goes in one ear and and it's gone before it even gets to your brain. So the the teams that really aren't worrying about anything, Kansas City's already clinched the first round by. So they're in the first seed no matter what, Uh, even if they lose and Buffalo wins, Kansas City's going to be in that top spot getting the the buy in the first round of the playoffs. Buffalo, you know, they do have – something to play for um you know because they could fall out of that number two seed um but with buffalo i think they're probably doing the right thing and and thinking about resting at least josh allen um being that you know the two and three seed don't really matter too much i don't think there's too much of a difference um you know what would be probably ideal for buffalo is to remain in that two seed and then have miami um you know, kind of slip in there at the seven seed. Uh, but that I think would require a Pittsburgh loss to Cleveland. Is that right, Brad? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I think when you look at the two and three seed, it's you're, you're not getting a buy. So it doesn't matter if you have the two or the three and you're not facing Kansas city potentially until the AFC championship. So right. really two or three, I think either of those teams are happy to be where they're at. And I, I think both of those teams are going to be better than the six or the seven seed when they come to or at least match up better against them um, down the road. So then if you're Buffalo and you are a Buffalo fan, Brad, do you care who your opponent is? Do you care if you're in the two? Do you care if you're in the three? And do you care if you're playing Miami or Indianapolis or, you know, potentially Cleveland uh, in that first round? Uh, or do you think Buffalo is a good enough team where the first round uh, matchup isn't really a big deal to that team? Here's the way I look at it. I think that, and this is kind of cliche, but Buffalo, everybody's like, oh, you know, you don't want to be playing up in Buffalo in winter. The Bills have a a weather advantage. And I think that that rings true to some point, but we're at a point now where the two seed doesn't matter from a buy standpoint. Now, if the two seeds still got a buy like we'd had in, in years past, then, yeah, I think Buffalo is playing their starters 
for most of the game this week because they want to try to lock up that two seed. Now, I think the biggest thing is, is you want to give Kansas City at least one shot before you meet them, potentially, in the AFC Championship to get upset by somebody. So I think I like – I like them being the two or three. I don't think it really matters. Obviously them having two home games in a row would be nice um, before they go to the AFC championship game and the possibility of having another one um, if Kansas city does get upset. So yeah, the two seed is desirable and obviously I want them to get that, but I wouldn't be devastated if they sat most of their starters in Miami ended up pulling out a win this week, because I think Buffalo matches up really well against Miami for the week after. And I don't, I don't think Pittsburgh is going to win this week. Just Cleveland is a better team from a starter standpoint than Pittsburgh's backups. So that would automatically keep Buffalo in the two seed and Pittsburgh in the three. And then I think Miami gets into the seven if that happens. So Correct. So that's ideal for Buffalo, in my opinion, because if I'm Buffalo, you know, and I know I can take a loss and, and I, I agree with you on Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh is a good team still, but at this point, you know, I think Cleveland overall, if they're healthy and they get their players back from the COVID reserve list and they have, you know, at least a, a somewhat intact receiving core, I think they go out there and they beat Pittsburgh uh, in week 17. Um, but the interesting thing is, is that the Dolphins don't have the, the luxury of, you know, kind of taking their foot off the gas at all because they're still playing for their lives. As you mentioned, you know, they have to win to get in, in in most cases. And the easiest road for them to do that is to beat Buffalo. So they're still going to be throwing their best shots at Buffalo. So Buffalo is going to get a chance to kind of sit back, get a 60-minute review of their potential first-round playoff opponent and see all their best shots. Um, I don't think that Brian Flores can afford to hold anything back in a must-win game that that is going to be, you know, d- determining your playoff uh, livelihood. So it's a really interesting position for Buffalo. I'm interested to see kind of how those things shake out. But let's move on to the seeds that are still available. Um Tennessee is a team that has been kind of Jekyll and Hyde throughout the year. You know, they have an identity in the running game behind Derrick Henry, but we've seen Ryan Tannehill be really good. And we've seen Ryan Tannehill kind of prevent them from winning some games uh, due to some struggles throughout the year. Now they face Houston this week. So it's a, a pretty favorable matchup. You know, Indianapolis probably has the better one against Jacksonville, but I, I honestly think that Tennessee and Indianapolis are both going to win this week. Um, and then if things play out the way that, that I'm expecting them to, uh, that would put Tennessee in the four seed um, as AFC South division champions and Indianapolis uh, would slip into the seven uh, based on what I'm thinking uh, because I have actually Miami losing to Buffalo uh, was what I had written down. So what do you think is going to end up happening with that AFC South division title? Do you think, uh, you know, things are going to work out differently do you think that Miami beats Buffalo and kind of steals that spot from Indianapolis and slips into the seven Um, and then let's touch on that I want to hear what you have to say about that and then we'll kind of get to the AFC North uh, teams that are still on the bubble so when it comes to Tennessee and Indianapolis you've got Indianapolis who is playing Jacksonville this week Um, Jacksonville has won one game this year has been against Indianapolis so if Indianapolis loses against Jacksonville this week they don't deserve to be in the playoffs, basically. So I like their matchup more than I like Tennessee against Houston. I think Houston is still a dangerous team offensively. Um, They may have checked out um, uh, with being down, you know, obviously being out of the playoffs, but 
I think that they're going to be chomping at the bit of a chance to knock one of their division rivals out of a playoff spot. So I think that they'll come prepared. And I think Tennessee's been a little bit reeling lately, I think, with how they play it. I think you kind of touched on it a little bit there that, you know, that Brian Tannehill has been really up and down this year. And over a period of time, he's not been able to uh, be as consistent, I think, as what they saw when they got to the AFC championship game last year against mm-hmm. the Patriots or against the Chiefs, sorry. Um, yeah. so- Which is weird because really this is the first season that we've seen Corey Davis kind of step into at least close to reaching the expectations that they had for him when they drafted him. So you add him next to A.J. Brown. Uh, John U. Smith is a pretty decent option for tight end. Uh, in regards to pass catching. So, I mean, I feel like he has a better group of receivers to throw to this year, um, but we haven't seen him be as efficient as he was last season. Yeah, absolutely. So I think for me, I think you see a better chance of Indianapolis winning over Jacksonville and Miami losing to Buffalo too. I think that that's still a possibility. Then you see Tennessee winning over Houston. So Indianapolis needs a little bit more to happen um, with just not winning in their end, basically. Um, But I still think I like their path a little bit better than Tennessee with Tennessee playing Houston. Okay. Okay. So then you're giving, uh, you're giving Miami some glimmers of hope then to slip into that seven seed still. I I think so. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, Indy would jump up to the fourth seed and then Miami would, would come into the seventh seed then. So, um, yeah, I think maybe, you know, um, but I don't know. I, I, I just think if they start Tua again and he struggles like he does, even against Buffalo's backups, I don't know if they're going to be able to pull out a win. But we could, you know, who knows? We could, we might not know what's going to happen. It wasn't that long ago that the Bills were playing the, the second string Steelers team uh, with a chance to win and get into the playoffs and were not able to do so. So with two, potentially two teams, you already know Pittsburgh is going to be playing some, some, uh, some of their backups and it seems like Buffalo is going to be heading that way as well. Um, you know, with both of those teams' opponents needing wins to get into the playoffs, um, it'll be very, very interesting to see if uh, the Browns, and the Dolphins were able to kind of exercise some demons and work their way into the postseason. Uh, but speaking of the Browns, let's talk about the NFC, the AFC North, excuse me. And uh, Baltimore and Cleveland are two teams that are still trying to get in, uh, joining Pittsburgh, uh, their, their division rival in the postseason in the AFC. Both of them also playing division games this week. Baltimore has Cincinnati and Cleveland, as we had talked about, is playing the Steelers. Um, I'm projecting wins for both Baltimore and Cleveland, which in my my rankings would put Baltimore in the five seed, Cleveland in the six seed. Um, and again, I had Indianapolis uh, rounding out as the seven seed uh, based on my projections. Um, but that would leave uh, for me uh, going one through seven in seeding Kansas City, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Baltimore, Cleveland and Indianapolis. Uh, Brad, what's your seven look like? Similar or different? So I still have Kansas City with a first round bye. I think that's pretty solid, you know, advice. I think that they're going to get that, you know, we'll see. But um, Buffalo and Pittsburgh, uh, one, two, and three, obviously those are, those are already locked in. So for me, I have Indianapolis winning the division. So I have them coming in as the four, um, Baltimore winning over Cincinnati, Cleveland winning over Pittsburgh, and then 
Miami losing to Buffalo, which means that Tennessee comes back in as the seventh seed. So, okay. So we so have the really same seven, just a little bit different order. Yep, exactly. Okay, that's perfect. That'll be good because I wanted to go through the playoffs a little bit later on once we touch on the NFC and go over some of the scenarios going on uh, over there. <clears throat> but I kind of want to work our way through the playoffs. Just get some very, very early uh, predictions and projections going on there just because it's fun to talk about. But let's move on to the NFC now. And since you kind of broke down all of the different scenarios for the AFC, uh, I'll take the NFC so you're not having to, uh, to spout out all that information um, on this side of the NFL. So in the NFC, we have Green Bay, New Orleans, Seattle, and Tampa Bay, who have all clinched playoff berths. Um, and there's going to be the opportunity for Green Bay, New Orleans, and Seattle all to clinch the first round by this week uh, based on what happens in week 17. So for Green Bay, all they have to do is win, and they clinch the number one seed in the first round by. Um, or if Seattle loses, Green Bay also clinches. So for New Orleans, they need to win, and Green Bay has to lose, and Seattle has to win. All three of those things have to happen for New Orleans to uh, overtake that number one position. And for Seattle, they clinch the first round by uh, with a win, with a Green Bay loss, and a New Orleans loss or tie. Um, so Green Bay is really in the driver's seat. All they really have to do is win, and then they don't have to worry about anything. I think they probably should get that done against Chicago. Uh, but again, that's another team that they may decide to rest some starters and, and, and uh, prioritize health uh, versus playoff positioning going in. But when you're talking about the only first round buy in the conference, I would imagine that they're going to be playing to win. Um, Tampa Bay, they're in, they're probably going to be in the five seed, maybe the six seed. Uh, but let's get to the bubble teams. And Brad, there are not as many uh, bubble teams that to, to get excited about in the NFC. Uh, a lot of the teams that are still available to get a, a spot are NFC East teams, and, um, and they would end up being the four seed in the NFC uh, based on being a division winner. Um, but we'll have likely a worse record than, than the team that's going to be below them in the NFC rankings. So um, give us an idea on uh, what can happen in week 17 to alter the playoff picture in the NFC and kind of what you're expecting to see shake out. So when you look at the bubble teams, obviously the NFC East still hasn't been decided yet, which is ridiculous, but we've talked about our disdain for that uh, division on the podcast in the past. Um, Arizona can clinch against the Rams with a win or an Arizona tie and a Chicago loss. And the Rams this week aren't going to have Jared Goff. It doesn't look like they're going to have uh, Cooper Cup as well. So Arizona is sitting in a really good position to uh, win and get into the playoffs. Chicago plays against Green Bay. Um, and Green Bay still playing for that first round bye. So I don't know how much they're going to set their starters or try to keep guys healthy. Um, but they can clinch with a win over Green Bay or an Arizona loss, or if Chicago and Arizona tie, they can both make it. Or, uh, Chicago will make it into the playoffs. The Rams need to beat the Cardinals, um, or they need Chicago to lose, and they're into the playoffs. And then you've got Dallas, the Giants, and the Washington football team who are all vying for the NFC East title. So Dallas can win the NFC East if they win and Washington loses or ties, or if Dallas ties and Washington loses. Um, 
the Giants can clinch the NFC East with a win and the and a Washington loss, and Washington can clinch the NFC East with a win and a or a or a tie and a Dallas loss or tie. So, for me, if I'm looking at the my top seven going into this, I think Green Bay ends up being the one. New Orleans is a two. Um, Seattle is a three, but I think what's going to happen in the NFC East is that the Giants are going to come out. I think that they're just kind of laying back right now, and I think the Giants are going to beat Dallas, and I don't think that Philadelphia or Washington is going to beat Philadelphia. I don't think that Washington is going to beat Philadelphia, so then that leaves the Giants winning the NFC East. So now we have Tampa Bay as a five. Arizona, I think, will beat the Rams. Um, and then I think Chicago is going to sneak in as a seven seed because I think Green Bay is going to play, but I think they also are going to try to keep a lot of their core guys healthy for the playoffs. Um, and that allows then, I think, if, if Chicago can stay in the game just a little bit, keep it close to that point when they start to pull guys, I think Chicago can pull out a win against Green Bay and boot the Rams out of the playoffs. Chicago's been playing really good, you know, more specifically – uh, David Montgomery has been playing really good and Mitch Trubisky has been good enough. Um, you know, I, I definitely think that that's a possibility. I, my, my bracket looks a little bit different than yours based on the way I look at some things shaking out. Uh, obviously Green Bay, New Orleans and Seattle, they're already in. Um, <clears throat> I think that Dallas is going to beat the Giants and I think that Washington is going to lose to Philly as well. Um, but that would flip our NFC East division champions. So instead of uh, New York, I think that Dallas is going to get in there as the four seed. Tampa Bay at the five. Uh, we agree on that. I do also agree that Arizona, I, I see beating the Rams, especially, you know, with the injuries that they're dealing with and the players are going to be missing. So I think Arizona goes into the six. Um, but I, I, I still have Green Bay beating Chicago, um, which uh, in my estimation would put the Rams at the seven seed instead of Chicago. Um, so a little bit different. Um, more different than what we had in the AFC. Uh, so it'll be interesting when we kind of walk through it, how we kind of see things shaking out as we move throughout the playoffs. Um, but good point on, on Chicago. I think that they're a sneaky team because, you know, it's, it's easy to forget how they started out. What was it, 5-0, and I think, this year? Yes, yep. And then, and then they went on, I think, a six-game losing streak. Yeah, they got to a point where you, I think that they were 5-0. and six and seven at one point here and then or five and six I think maybe but yeah they've kind of Mitch Trubisky's kind of played better than he has uh, in the past so it's been a good offensive turnaround for them but I mean uh, if they sneak into the playoffs you really see them beating New Orleans or Green Bay if Green Bay would fall to the second seed um, I don't think so so um, it'll be interesting how it plays out this week but I think it's just going to be delaying their their inevitable outcome by a week of being booted out of the, out of the playoffs. <laughs> well, really quickly, I want to touch on the Browns because we hadn't had an opportunity to really go into too much detail. But when we talk about teams controlling their own destinies and being able to kind of, uh, you know, write their own stories when it comes to reaching the postseason and, and the way that they're entering the postseason, Cleveland had an opportunity to beat the Jets uh, to seal their, their fate, to punch their ticket uh, and to, to clinch a spot in the, in the postseason for the first time uh, since 2007, I believe it was. So a long time coming, um, you know, it seemed like a pretty easy layup. Uh, and then just uh, 
just before the Jets game, the the news broke that basically their entire starting receiving core that was still healthy um, would now be going on to the COVID-19 list. Um, and they kind of entered the game with practice squad players. And, um, you know, the, the, the question that I had about their game plan was – not really being dedicated to the run going into that game, which is obviously the cornerstone that their offense has been built upon since Kevin Stefanski took over the reins this year. Um, I mean, I know I was surprised by that. I know I, in talking to some people, you know, they, the, the thought process is, well, the Jets, I'm sure, are going to be keen in on the run and looking to stop that, thinking that you're not going to try to beat them through the air. But to come out with, with, with such little success in the passing game early, um, I, I feel like it was a mistake not to immediately start to try to lean on the running game. And, and they really, even, you know, in the second half, never really seemed to – establish that run um I don't know how much of the game you, you watched or how much highlights you caught but um you know obviously when when you have Cleveland and, and the Jets on paper and a must-win game for Cleveland you expect Cleveland to come out with the W um what are your thoughts from uh, an outside perspective looking in because it's too close to home for me yeah I was really surprised at how quickly they abandoned the run in that game I mean the Jets have been playing better lately uh, and Sam Darnold and Jamison Crowder had a had a really good game uh, against the Browns, but the fact that Nick Chubb had like six or seven rushes halfway through the third quarter was borderline criminal, in my opinion. Just because what you understand, you have no wide receivers. You're throwing to um, guys who've been on the practice squad or been on other teams' practice squads, and you're trying to get them you're asking Baker Mayfield to throw the ball 35 40 times to win the game against a team that's won one game do what you do what you do well and what has got you there and it's rushing the football with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt the best one-two punch of running backs in the NFL so yeah you know looking back when the Bills had hired Sean McDermott his first year he had a couple of games like this where like things just didn't make sense the way that he was running the game and good coaches learn from those mistakes and get better. And obviously McDermott has gotten a lot better from a situational standpoint and uh, that. But I, I was just really surprised that the Browns couldn't take it to a team, even with them being downtown. I think it shows to me that while Mayfield has improved since the beginning of the year, he's still not ready right now to take over games. Yeah, <clears throat> I agree. And the one thing that may be overlooked – you know, because it's easy just to look at the Browns losing to the Jets and kind of write that off uh, as whatever. But Baker Mayfield did make the throw he needed to make um, to put his team in a situation to uh, uh, tie the game at least um, in the fourth quarter. But the the Jets defensive back made a nice play um, on the Browns receiver and knocked the ball loose. But if, if he were to come down with it, it would be first and probably about four uh, from the goal line. So Baker made that throw, but he definitely struggled in the first half and really never caught any rhythm throughout the game. I know it's got to be extremely tough when you're working with essentially a new receiving core that you don't have any experience, real experience uh, working with in regards to timing. But... Um, you know, if you're a, a team that's looking to be a playoff contender, you got to kind of roll with those punches and be prepared to have that next man up mentality. Um, but that's something that, you know, will come in time. You know, as a Bills fan, 
for you, as you talked about, you know, there was growing pains with Sean McDermott um, and Josh Allen and the whole group. Uh, but within a short period of time, they've kind of figured out some of those things that they needed to work out um, and work through those kinks. And now look at them. They're in a position of being one of the best teams in the NFL going into the postseason. But uh, let's now just really quickly kind of go through, and, and I have notes based on my projections that we've talked about. I, I don't know if you kind of have yours written down in front of you as well, um, but I'm going to go through uh, and start in the AFC based on who I think are going to be one through seven, as we had talked about, Kansas City, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Baltimore, Cleveland, and Indianapolis is who I, who I have in the AFC as the, as the matchups. Um, so in round one, we have Tennessee versus Baltimore, Pittsburgh versus Cleveland, and Buffalo versus Indianapolis for me. Uh, and Tennessee versus Baltimore, I think Lamar is playing really good. And, uh, and Baltimore is really one of those teams, and again, it's cliche, but you don't want to see Baltimore because you don't want to have to face a Lamar Jackson if he's feeling comfortable in the pocket and feeling comfortable getting outside of it to get yards with his legs. I'm taking Baltimore here because I think Tennessee – I just haven't seen the consistency that I want to see for them. And I know you can say the same thing about Baltimore and Lamar Jackson, but Lamar Jackson's starting to look more like the quarterback that we saw last season um, than the quarterback that we saw for the first, uh, I don't know, eight to 10 weeks this year. Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Um, I have Cleveland winning in week 17 to get in, but being a Browns fan for my entire life and seeing them play Pittsburgh I just don't think it's possible for them to beat them two weeks in a row. So I have Pittsburgh taking Cleveland out in the first round and then Buffalo in uh, Indianapolis. Uh, I think it's a pretty easy win for Buffalo, um, whether they play Indy, Tennessee, um, who else can they possibly play? Miami. I think Buffalo moves on past the first round pretty, pretty easily. Um, what about you? What about your AFC first round matchups and, and who do you have moving on? So I think AFC, our AFC bracket is pretty similar other than I have Indy and Tennessee flipped. So it would be um, Indy versus Baltimore in round one. And I think that Baltimore wins that. I think Indianapolis um, can't, as long as, if they can stop the run, they have a chance. If they can kind of shut Lamar and that rushing attack down and make, force him to throw, then I think they have a chance. But um, with what they did of blowing that big lead against Pittsburgh last week, I think that shows they just aren't there yet from a team standpoint to be able to um, get them over that next hump. So I lean towards Baltimore there. Um, Pittsburgh and Cleveland, um, I don't know. It's, I think it's going to be a good game. Pittsburgh even resting their starters. I think Cleveland, if they don't stray away from what they do well, I think that they can give them a run for their money. But I would lean maybe 51% to Pittsburgh, 49% <laughs> Cleveland. But I think that game is a toss-up. Um, and then Buffalo and Tennessee, I think Buffalo rolls Tennessee. I think they kind of get some revenge for that Tuesday night game back in week five um, where Tennessee, you know, had the COVID issues and the game kept being pushed back. So I think that they get that um, revenge game and then move on to the second round. So for me, like if we jump right into the second round, my second round looks like um, you've got Kansas City and Baltimore. Um, Buffalo and Pittsburgh. So they all, it all ends up being the same for me, Kansas city, definitely Kansas city. I was always had Baltimore's number. Um, it seems like Baltimore's kryptonite is Kansas city. So I've got Kansas city. And then I think that even with Pittsburgh facing Buffalo a second time around in the playoffs, I think that that Buffalo's offense right now is better than it was. That Steelers game was actually a really big turning point. I think for, 
for Allen and the Bills offense because in games in the past when he'd, when he'd have a first half like he had against Pittsburgh where nothing was working offensively, they couldn't get anybody open, things just weren't working, he would turn into hero Josh and throw the ball down the field and make mistakes and try to force the ball. He didn't do any of that. When they came out in the second half, he just started feeding stuff on Diggs. They made a few a half few adjustments and said, hey, Stephon Diggs is getting open consistently. So they started feeding him the ball. And then that in turn opened everything else up. So I think Buffalo has a really good plan around that. And I think that they beat um, Kansas or they beat uh, Pittsburgh there in the second round. Yeah. Uh, again, but you're right. You know, we had, uh, even though we had a little bit of a, a different order, um, our second round AFC matchups are the same. Um, I have Kansas City also over Baltimore. I'm hoping that Lamar Jackson puts up, you know, a, a better game just because, you know, me, I'm a, I'm a big Lamar fan, uh, even though I hate the Ravens. Um, you know, Baltimore took our team for a few years out of Cleveland. But uh, I love Lamar's game. I, I like seeing him play better, you know, along with him and Mahomes and Rodgers and some of these guys. They just make football a lot more fun to watch. But I think Kansas City's a problem. Um, they've obviously had Baltimore's number, and I think that that trend continues um, as long as Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are healthy and available to play. Uh, so KC I have moving on uh, into the AFC Championship. Buffalo versus Pittsburgh. I also agree. I think Buffalo wins that game. I think you could put Pittsburgh's best game that they can perform right now, uh, but you put them against Buffalo's best game, and I think Buffalo wins that game 100 out of 100 times. So I have Buffalo moving on to the AFC Championship. Uh, so both of us, I believe, have KC and Buffalo in the AFC Championship, Red? Yep, that would be – and I think that is the matchup I think most people would like to see mm -hmm. um, as long as things work out. I, I think you got two – of the best offenses in the AFC squaring off passing offenses, especially yeah, um, mm -hmm. kind of going head to head in that game. Yeah, absolutely. Let's put a pin on that. Cause uh, I want to get to our NFC championship game first before we move on and, and take our Super Bowl picks. So NFC, um, I'll start with the first round of what I have based uh, on what I'm imagining happening in week 17. So I'll have uh, Dallas versus Tampa Bay, you know, Dallas, you know, whoever comes in in the NFC East, they're kind of limping in um, and Tampa Bay is a pretty tough matchup considering you're looking at Tom Brady, who's really motivated on winning a championship without Bill Belichick. I think Tampa Bay wins that pretty easily, regardless of uh, who, who they end up facing uh, out of that NFC East um, Seattle and Arizona is intriguing to me. Um, it, it's a way better matchup in my mind if you're taking Seattle and Arizona from the first five weeks of the season and, and showing me those teams. But both of them having their struggles recently, I'm not as excited about it. I think Russell Wilson probably is just enough to get Seattle past Arizona um, based on my brackets. And then New Orleans versus the Rams. <clears throat> I have New Orleans winning here pretty easy. The Rams are going to be lucky to get into the playoffs to begin with. I don't feel great about putting them in. I just really doubt Chicago's ability to beat Green Bay if they show up with any motivation whatsoever to play for that first round bye. So um, so for me, I have Tampa, Seattle, and New Orleans moving on. Um, and then Green Bay was my top seed uh, in the second round. So what do you got in the NFC in the first round? So if I'm in the NFC, I have Dallas beating uh, – or not Dallas. I have the Giants winning the NFC East, so it would be the Giants and Tampa Bay. Um, Tampa Bay easily wins that game. No matter who Tampa Bay gets, they're going to win from the yes. NFC East. So that's pretty easy. For me, so I'm lock gonna, it in I'm now, gonna, folks. Whoever they play, they're going to win because yep. if we are absolutely sure Tampa's going to win, then whoever wins the NFC East, they're winning that playoff game. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? Um, so – 
Seattle and Arizona is a really interesting game because they've split the season series between the two. The games have been really close. And Seattle has been playing better defense lately, but their offense has just been non-existent, not, at least not what it was at the beginning of the year. No. So for me, I'm giving the edge to Arizona here because I think Arizona can come into this game. It's a division rival. They've played them twice now already. Um, I, I just think it's going to be a toss-up, and I think Arizona has the better shot at winning. Okay. Um, and then I've got New Orleans and Chicago, and New Orleans easily is going to win that game. So you've got Tampa Bay, Arizona, New Orleans – heading on into the second round. Uh, All right. So you keep it going in your second round, Brad. What do you like there? So second round, we've got Green Bay and Tampa Bay. Um, for me, I think Green Bay wins that game. Um, even though Tampa Bay kind of went in and put a shellacking on them earlier in the year in Green Bay, I think Green Bay gets a revenge there. Um, New Orleans and Seattle. Uh, New Orleans is going to come through. I think their defense and Russell Wilson. Well, I have Arizona. Sorry, New Orleans and Arizona. Um, I still think New Orleans is going to win that. So you've got Green Bay and New Orleans for me heading to the NFC Championship. Okay. Well, I, I'm also going to bring New Orleans and uh, in, in my bracket. <laughs> New Orleans would face off against Seattle. Um, I take New Orleans over Seattle. But again, I agree, you know, if it's Arizona in there instead, you know, I'm taking New Orleans regardless. Tampa Bay uh, and Green Bay is a really intriguing matchup for me. And uh you know, I don't know why. I have no reasoning why. I just looked at it, and my first instinct was to move Tampa Bay past Green Bay, and that's what I'm doing. So in my NFC Championship game, I have the Saints as well, but I have them going against TB12 and the Bucks. Um, so in the AFC, I had Kansas City and Buffalo, as you did. Uh, we both have New Orleans, and then our only differentiating team uh, is going to be that I have Tampa Bay in the NFC Championship. I'll go first. I'm going to move New Orleans into the Super Bowl. Um, I think that they have shown throughout the year the ability to adjust to injuries, to uh, uh, to game plan appropriately from uh, an opponent-to-opponent basis. And they have the pedigree and they have the drive. Uh, they're a team that probably uh, should have got to the Super Bowl the year that the Rams did uh, based on a bad call. And Drew Brees, Taysom Hill, Elvin Kamara, Latavius Murray, a healthy Michael Thomas, possibly um there's just a lot of weapons there and and that coaching staff knows how to use them um so i'm gonna put new orleans uh, into the super bowl on the nfc and in the afc i'm putting buffalo in over kansas city um everything we talked about about them being explosive offenses and teams that you know have a legitimate shot to win a championship this year i have felt that way about buffalo pretty much since week three or four and just seeing the improvements that Josh Allen has made this year. Obviously, the results speak for themselves when he is top five in touchdowns, top five in yards, top five in quarterback rating, and just outside the top five currently. He's uh, number six, I believe, in completion percentage, which I never thought you would see Josh Allen in the top ten in completion percentage in the NFL. The dude has just balled out all year. And while Mahomes is still a better quarterback, he's he can pretty much say that about himself than anyone that's ever lived. But when I look at this Buffalo team, they're a gritty team. Sean McDermott is a coach that I believe is a robot because I've never seen any emotion out of him. Um, but he never lets anything bother him. He just sticks to his game plan. He keeps his players um, focused on executing. And, you know, Kansas City is not a team that I, I, don't, I don't believe they overlook opponents. But Buffalo is a team that I think that, that can kind of sneak up on them and punch them in the mouth. 
just at the right time to steal a win. And what I mean by that is I see and I envision Josh Allen down four points with a minute 30 left in the fourth quarter um, and driving down and scoring a touchdown in the AFC championship to put Buffalo back in the Super Bowl for the first time since the mid nineties. Boy, that's a, that's quite the prediction. <laughs> so I guess when we're looking at my Super Bowl, I'm going to take Green Bay over New Orleans. I think that's going to be a really good NFC championship game. Um, but I think Green Bay has played really, really well um, up to this point. And I think Aaron Rodgers um, has kind of on a mission to kind of prove after they drafted Jordan Love that he's still got quite a bit left in the tank when it comes to quarterback play. When it comes to Buffalo and Kansas City, I really think this game is a toss-up. Like, I think it's going to come down to, like you just said, whoever has the ball last and if the score's close is going to have a chance to win this game. Um, just because I think – I don't know if you're going to see this as a game like they had against the Rams a few years ago where it was 55 to 52 or something like that ridiculous. Um, but I think it's going to be pretty easily to see that this is probably could be a 34-31 game um, when it's all said and done. Um, the fandom in me wants to say Buffalo, but Kansas City track record right now in the playoffs and in the uh, postseason is, gives me them the slight edge over it. So for – Argument's sake, I'll take Kansas City and Green Bay in the Super Bowl next year. Okay. okay. This year, I should say. Well, unless you want to pick a winner, Brad, for the Super Bowl, um, we don't have to just because <laughs> everything we've talked about on today's show can completely fall apart based on what happens with the outcomes of the Week 17 games. Um, but if you want to name one, feel free. I don't even want to put it into the universe about with, with you having Buffalo in the Super Bowl. I don't even want to put it into the universe of them possibly winning it yet. So let's just let it see how it works out. I think that, you know, you've got Buffalo, New Orleans, I've got Green Bay, Kansas City. And, you know, I, I think that those are four possible definite outcomes of, of who's going to be in that, that game for sure. Absolutely. Well, Real quickly, because we don't have too much more time, um, I did want to touch on three awards uh, for the NFL. So I really quickly want to get your opinion on MVP, Rookie of the Year, and Coach of the Year. Um, we've seen a lot of great candidates for all three categories this year. Um, I want to start with Rookie of the Year. It's one of the most loaded classes that I can ever remember, um, at least recently, when you have, and this isn't all the players we could talk about. And unfortunately, you know, Joe Burrow, who probably would have been the front runner for the award, was injured uh, midway through the season. But even on his own team, T. Higgins has put together a halfway decent year. On uh, Dallas, we've seen C.D. Lamb be pretty successful, you know, when Dak Prescott was there. And then after the injury, everybody struggled in that Dallas offense. So it's really hard to gauge him, <clears throat> but you know, four legitimate contenders that we still have are James Robinson running back of Jacksonville, Justin Jefferson, uh, the receiver in Minnesota, Chase Young, the defensive end in Washington and the quarterback of the chargers, Justin Herbert. Uh, anybody else to add to the mix there and out of those four, or if you have any more to add, who do you envision winning this award? Um, I, I think those are probably the four best you could look at um, for sure. Um, James Robinson had an amazing year, especially for being an undrafted rookie. Justin Jefferson, one of the best wide rookie wide receivers in the NFL this year, and there were a lot of really good ones too, so that says yeah. a lot. Um, but for me, I think it's Justin Herbert. It's got to be, right? He broke the rookie um, touchdown record that Baker Mayfield had uh, had broke a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. So 
and he's just played lights out. I mean, other than the 45 nothing game they lost to the Patriots where he kind of just put up uh, laid an egg in that game, he's been pretty much unstoppable for that offense. It's really been the Chargers' coaching decisions that have cost them games more than has been Justin Herbert. So, mm-hmm. for me, it's Justin Herbert is the rookie of the year. Yeah, those are great points on Herbert. And really, you know, it's, uh, again – easy to forget how many of those games that were losses were single digit losses, last second losses. I think two of them were on field goals with the clock expiring. Um, And this is a guy that got thrown into his first professional start five minutes before kickoff um, because of an unexpected uh, punctured lung um, from Tyrod Taylor that he received from his trainer. So, I mean, Herbert is probably the right answer. Um, All of them have cases, you know, Robinson's most, the biggest case for him is that he's done a thousand yards as an undrafted rookie in this Jacksonville offense. I mean, that's an accomplishment in itself. Justin Jefferson really assumed the role of Stefan Diggs that he left behind and became the primary option, even above Adam Thielen in a pretty good Minnesota offense. And Chase Young was an absolute wrecking ball coming off the edge for Washington this year. And really for me personally, with my heart, I would give it to Chase Young um, just because uh, you know, him and the only person I can think of in recent memory that was as dominant as a rookie uh, was Miles Garrett. And um, so for me, it's, it's Chase Young, but they're not going to give it to a defensive end when a quarterback had such a good year. So in my heart, my heart is Chase Young and my head is Justin Herbert. So we agree on that for rookie of the year um, coach of the year. There's again, tons of great candidates for me personally. I just put up uh, Andy Reed, um, Sean McDermott, Kevin Stefanski, uh, Sean Payton. And, um, I, I also kind of want to throw Brian Flores's name in there. Um, who else am I forgetting? I know I'm forgetting some people here. Um, I, I think that those are probably the front runners for sure. Um, oh, Matt Brian Flores. Flores. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Brian Flores is definitely one that in the, for me, the top three, like Andy Reid and Sean Payton have had great years with their teams. But for me, I think the top three are McDermott, Stefanski, and Flores with what they've done. For me, Sean McDermott obviously taking another step after a 10-6 and win next year to possibly finish 12-4 and or 13-3 and against a very tough schedule, I think, that they've done it as well. They're 3-1 and against the NFC West, 3-1 and against the AFC West, and um, beat Pittsburgh, lost to Tennessee. So um, there have been some – they've had some very quality wins with that. Kevin Stefanski, I think – is right there with him have had a weaker schedule, but you can only play who you can play. So you only can play who they put on your schedule. So he's won the games for the most part up till this Jets game that they should have won. Um, really maybe the only other game you could argue is the, the Raiders game that they lost in the, in the rain and windstorm in Cleveland a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Brian Flores with what he's done in his second year in Miami with going from, uh, you know, a two to three win team, four win team into um, you know, a legit, almost possibly 11 and five football team is quite the turnaround with Ryan Fitzpatrick into a Tagovailoa at quarterback. So yeah. he is uh, that hasn't been the best situation at quarterback at least yet. Um, so I think that that can't be said either. But for me, if I've got to give it to somebody, it's probably it's it's like splitting hairs between those three. So um, I just make it a three way tie. I think that. <laughs> they all deserve it. Maybe you give the slight edge to McDermott because of the quality of opponents. But I think if you look what Stefanski and Flores have, have turned around, I think that's almost as just as impressive of what McDermott's done against his schedule. 
I agree on everything that you just said. Um, I, in any given year where McDermott, Stefanski, and Flores are in separate years where they're doing what they're doing for their teams, I think that each of them would win uh, coach of the year in that respective year. But being that all three of them are having these seasons in the same year, for me, I'm giving it to Sean McDermott. Um, you know, Kevin Stefanski took over a very talented team. I think everybody kind of expected the Browns to get closer to the expectations that they had going into last season with Freddie Kitchens at, at coach. Um, so Stefanski's really done everything that I've wanted him to do as a coach, but he hasn't coached up Baker Mayfield to the point where I wanted to see Baker Mayfield that. Um, whereas Sean McDermott has coached up Josh Allen now and expedited his, his development, I think, years, like maybe two, three seasons quicker than I expected. Again, I never expected Josh Allen to be top uh, top 10 in, in completion percentage, and then also top five in every statistical category that matters. And the decision, you know, between being and in, in, in the, the coaching staff and the front office to bring Stefan Diggs in and, and send off those assets to bring him in, He's leading the league in receiving yards right now in a league where we have DeAndre Hopkins in a league where we have uh, Devontae Adams. You know, he's been a shining star and, and it's made the rest of that offense better. All of that comes back to the game plan that Sean McDermott puts in place. And while the defense has struggled, the offense has elevated their play uh, to make up for it. So for me, <clears throat> again, I, I, I just think it's McDermott. Because I agree with you on Reed and Peyton. You kind of, at this point, expect to see that. And it's kind of like the Jordan effect uh, or like the, you know, the LeBron effect where it's like, yeah, Andy Reed in Kansas City is probably going to be the first seed in the AFC for a long time. So, like, you just can't give it to him every year. Um, but Reed and Peyton done excellent job this year. Uh, but for me, coach of the year is McDermott. Uh, finally, MVP. I think there's really three strong candidates for this, being Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen. Uh, do you have anybody else to throw their names into the hat? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good, pretty good look at it. I think if you, you could make a case for maybe Stephon Diggs right now because he's leading the wide, the NFL in receptions and yards. Um, but there's been, there's never been a wide receiver that's won it. So, um, and very few even running backs now win it. So it's, I think it comes down to those three quarterbacks. And for me, I think it's Aaron Rodgers. I, I like what Josh Allen has done. Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. He's been good, but he's the last couple. Last two to three weeks, he's not been as good. I think the Falcons game was really interesting how that game played out. He struggled quite a bit in that game. Um, but for me, I think Aaron Rodgers has earned the right to be the MVP of the, the league this year. Josh Allen has played really well, and I know that you're probably going to make an argument for it. Um, but for me, it's, it's Aaron Rodgers. So I don't know if in my head, uh, in my subconscious, I'm trying to jinx the Bills, but – <laughs> Going into this and all the research and just looking at everything that's happened this year, and I really didn't expect to pick Sean McDermott for coach of the year. I, I was really going to go with um, Sean Payton. But just in talking through everything that's happened, you know, I went with McDermott. You know, I'm taking the Bills to the Super Bowl. My MVP, and it's a runaway, is Josh Allen. Um, just everything that I and, – and, and it's the intangibles that I see in him. And it's the feeling that, like, if he was my quarterback – 
I would not be worried about going into the fourth quarter of a playoff game with a double digit deficit because the things that he can do with his legs, the strength of his arm, the ability to fit the ball into pockets that most quarterbacks can't fit it into. Um, and, you know, going into the season, the expectation was, yeah, the bills are probably going to be able to win the division. Now that Tom Brady's not there and, and, you know, some of the the Patriots important players are sitting. Um, but it was never like a guarantee. Like, you know, I think a lot of people probably thought, you know, they'd sneak in like, nine and seven, 10 and six, and get bounced in the first round. Josh Allen has them to the level of nobody wants to play the Bills in the playoffs because you're going to have to face Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, um, and that offense. So for me, you know, Rodgers has MVPs. Rodgers um, has a Super Bowl. Mahomes, you can say the same for, and Mahomes is going to add, I think, probably more both uh, before the end of his career. But for me, like, I'd really like for the NFL – to award Josh Allen for this season, just because who knows, maybe he won't have another season like this, but to be as good as he is this year, coming from where he was last year. And I, you know, I think a memory that sticks out to a lot of football fans, especially Bills fans is him taking that 20 plus yard sack uh, in the playoffs against Houston. That's not something I think Josh Allen ever, ever even gets close to doing in this year's playoffs. And I think it's because of the growth behind the coaching staff and the way that that front office has built talent around him. Um, so he benefits from a lot, but ultimately when it comes down to football, your quarterback wins football games. And Josh Allen, along with Mahomes and Rodgers, you know, even to be in that realm of discussion, I think to me, he, he if we're going to give Lamar Jackson MVP last season, I think Josh Allen has to be MVP this year. Uh, I, I, I see where you're coming from. I just, and we've talked about this off, you know, Mike before, I think there's a little bit of a breaking in thing. I, I think if Rogers and Mahomes were trailed Allen slightly more because Lamar last year was just in his own level. Mahomes had a great year, but Lamar was even better by a good chunk. So I, I just don't know. I don't know how much of Allen's turnovers are going to come into play. He's had nine interceptions. He's also had nine fumbles. Um, so it's, yeah, I just think Aaron Rodgers has the edge. And I think Allen, if he continues to play, will be definitely the front runner next year for sure. You know, Brad, that's why I love you. You're just always bringing me right back down to earth. <laughs> yeah, that is all the time. <laughs> what was that? So I said, somebody's got to do it. I know. I'm, I'm just way out there all the time, Brad. So I appreciate you being my rock. But that is all the time that we have this week. I want to thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching FindBet. Go to FindBet.com to check out all of our newest content this week where you can find DFS lineup recommendations and betting advice for week 17 of the NFL. Watch for NBA content going up soon. And with baseball right around the corner, we'll have lots of new stuff for you coming up. Remember to follow us on Twitter at FindBet underscore news and on Instagram at FindBet, just one word, to know when all of our newest content hits FindBet.com. Brad, do you have any parting words of wisdom for our audience today? No, we'll have NFL DFS coming out on Friday. It's going to be a little bit different because we're going to try to navigate some teams playing backup players and maybe sprinkle a few of those into the lineup. But um, it's going to be a good uh, ending week to the NFL and uh, – and it's going to be good to get 2020 behind us and hopefully move into a much better year in 2021. I agree. And I'm hoping my Brownies can beat the Steelers. I'd love to see them get into the playoffs. But if they don't, I think, as you could probably tell, I'll be rooting for the Bills um, and all of my wonderful Buffalo predictions to be coming true for all my Bills Mafia uh, friends and uh, family out there. So, 
Uh, at this point, it's, I'm, I'm going to apologize because everything that we talked about this week, we're probably going to talk about next week. It's just that next week we'll know for sure who's going to be in. Uh, but Brad and I were just too excited not to talk about NFL playoffs and what we're expecting to see. But thanks again for joining us on The Catch. And until next time, may the waivers always be in your favor, my friends. Goodbye. <laughs>